Yeah, so tonight we have uh, – I have my friend Tyreek with me. He has his own podcast stuff too, uh, Halftime Hoop. So uh, we'll just be asking you some questions about some different stuff, wherever. We kind of came together. Um, we have a podcast now called Fast Break. So we're just talking NBA playoff stuff like that. So uh, we'll just get your take on some things. So, Tyreek, if you want to start it off and ask him a question, go for it. Yeah, I really just want to start, like, um, about your hoop journeys, like – you know, where you started, um, obviously coming up in Arkansas. What was the hoop scene like in Arkansas when you was on the rise? I mean, it was, it was pretty tough. We had a lot of, like, you know, like under-the-radar guys that, you know, kind of snuck on the scene. Our AAU basketball programs are pretty good. The Arkansas Hawks from the Arkansas Wings that are now the Arkansas Woods. Um, and, you know, we would always go to AAU Nationals, be able to compete. You know, the Arkansas Hawks won a couple of national championships. The Arkansas Wings did too. And, um, you know, it, that kind of what sparked my love for the game and, you know, wanted me to – made me want to work hard. And, you know, seeing all these people from all over the United States thrive and, and, and be super competitive, you know, it just made me want to work and, you know, try to get to the next level. Yeah, who are some of the guys you admired, you know, in the NBA watching when you grew up? And like where I was from, you know, we we don't really we didn't have an NBA team back then. It wasn't Oklahoma City Thunder, and you know Dallas Mavericks weren't that good at the time. And uh, so we were huge Bull fans just because they they showed all the WGN games with the Bulls, and you know they'd always say you know starting lineup from Central Arkansas, Scottie Pippen. So really looked up to Scottie Pippen. You know, obviously everybody loved Jordan and. And for me, it was like guys that played really at Arkansas that, you know, made it to the NBA, like a, you know, Oliver Miller, Todd Daly, Mayberry, Corliss Williamson, Scotty Thurman, and then uh, Gennaro Pargo and, and Joe Johnson. So those are some of the guys that I looked up to growing up. You know, obviously my dad played at Arkansas, so I was a big fan of his and City Moncrief and um, Joe Klein and Alvin Robinson. So those guys are the really guys that, you know, made me really – have a love for the game just because I was a huge Razorback fan and you know that made me follow them into the NBA there you go and speaking of the Razorbacks you had a three-year college career had a lot of success I see you was two-time all SEC just you know reflect on your college career man what did you enjoy about being a Razorback well you know first of all I wasn't really locked in to go to Arkansas you know my recruitment was wide open knowing Richardson ended up um, getting replaced by Stan Heath. Stan Heath did a phenomenal job recruiting me. And, you know, when I decided to stay home, you know, the Razorbacks weren't that good. You know, I wanted to change the narrative, get it back to what Nolan Richardson built, what Eddie Sutton built at Arkansas, and, you know, bring Arkansas back in the rise. So the SEC was hella tough. I mean, you had Florida during the time I was there, back-to-back -back national championships that same year. LSU with Big Baby Davis was super tough. To, to, to compete with and Kentucky with Rondo and clean as a bookie and the other many guys that played there that went to the NBA and, you know, Alabama was really good. Um, and it was just tough, you know, even, you know, even like the old Ole Miss and Tennessee was very competitive and Vanderbilt, you know, all those teams were very, very tough to beat. And, you know, we just wanted to be relevant and to compete at a high level. What would what would you say was your most memorable college game? Um, it was kind of like, um, uh, like a week and a half, like like binge kind of. We 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 needed to win 
like the rest of our games to, to qualify for the NCAA tournament. And so we ended up being Alabama, who was ranked. We ended up being Florida, who was ranked. Tennessee, who was ranked. Um, and, you know, it, it, you know, allowed us to get to the NCAA tournament. So it was a big deal for us. Um, you know, I had some really big games, those games, and, you know, got us back to where we, where we hadn't been in a long time. So, you know, that, that week was kind of crazy for me. So a successful college career turned into the number 14 pick in the NBA draft. Going to the Utah Jazz, that's my earliest memory of you is in a Jazz uniform. Uh, your first year, you was on the conference finals team. I know the rookie year was kind of up and down. But just, you know, reflect on your time in Utah playing with guys like Darren Williams, who people forget was one of them dudes back in the day. Yeah, man. You know, uh, it's crazy just how how fast people forget. Like, you know, Darren Williams is one of the top point guards in the NBA. You know, led, led us – early in his career to the conference finals, um, you know, played some, didn't play a lot of my rookie year, um, you know, got to play for Hall of Fame coach, rest in peace, uh, Jerry Sloan. Um, but, you know, love my time out in Utah. We had a really great competitive team. You know, Carlos Boozer was a huge, uh, you know, uh, factor on that team. And Memno Curran, AK-47, Andre Karolinko. We had such young talent, too, and, and guys like C.J. Miles and myself, and Paul Millsap that um, we had a good mixture between, you know, young guys, veterans, like a Matt Harpring um, and, 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 and the guys that were kind of middle aged. So, you know, we thought that we were going to be together for a long, long time and, and have the opportunity to try to win the championship, but, you know, management had other thoughts and, you know, we all enjoyed our time there, but, you know, we ended up having to go separate our separate ways. Yeah, and it's so funny, too, because I think it was interesting you brought up the piece about Scottie Pippen and, you know, his connection to Arkansas. I think a lot of people forget about that. But what did it mean for you being somebody from Arkansas going to play for the Bulls eventually in your career? Like, was that a dream come true, you know, being a kid growing up watching mm -hmm. them? Or, like, what was your first experience, like, playing for the Bulls? Dude, it was kind of crazy because my first time really, you know, being in Chicago when I signed with Chicago – you know, I came up early because, you know, I was trying to find a, like a crib and, you know, wanted to get a workout in while I was up there and, you know, show my family facility and, you know, where I'd be working at and, and stuff. And, you know, I, I hear a, a voice and, you know, if you ever hear Scotty Pippen talk, <laughs> it's a very recognizable voice. So, you know, where my, where my guy from Arkansas, where, where Ronnie Brewer and the eyes kind of perked up, like I'm already known who that is because the voice and, you know, uh, he came around the corner and, you know, met my, my, my mom and my dad and my sister and everybody. And, you know, that was my, like, kind of welcome to Chicago moment. And, you know, it seemed like every year I was there, it was like a, a, a Bulls reunion for some championship team. And so, you know, got to meet Jordan and got to meet, you know, Dennis Rodman and Tony Kukoc and uh, a lot of other the Bulls greats. Um, it was just a really awesome experience because, like, I grew up watching those guys on TV and, Never, never thought that I'd be actually playing and be able to meet those guys and be in their presence. That's crazy. In your first year in Chicago, you got to play with MVP Derrick Rose. Yeah. So what was it like playing with him at that time and transitioning from them to all the uh, injuries and downfalls to how he's playing now? Just how yeah. do you reflect on his career? Well, like for me, I, you know, I, I guess it's a gift and a curse. He that he went and was a, a MVP in such an early age, because like when he got injured, people were like, 
oh, like there's like you can't get injured. And if you're an athlete, you know, like injuries are part of the game. And, you know, for him to battle back through every injury that he's had and never really had a super downfall, like people like talk about Derrick Rose, like he's like over the hill and he's like some bum or something like that. But like, you know, he's, he's never really like averaged less than like 17 points a game or something like that. Like those are great numbers. Um, and what he's doing for the Knicks with, with Tibbs and Todd Gibson and all those other guys, um, it's phenomenal. It, it, it's, it's awesome to be see him out there and thrive and look like his old self because, you know, prime D Rose, MVP D Rose was a force to be reckoned with. And one of the other things, too, I thought was pretty interesting was uh, I read how C.J. Watson was on the team, too, when Derrick Rose, he got a lot of uh, backup, you know, minutes and stuff. So I actually had C.J. on the podcast about a month or so ago. So kind of talk about your relationship with him, you know, how you guys were able to kind of, know, work within the team once Derrick Rose went down. Yeah, um, not a great relationship with C.J. And, you know, um, one of the ironic things are, you know, we grew up, played AU basketball against each other. Then we were in the SEC together when he was at Tennessee. Yeah. Um, and then we were in the NBA at the same time and eventually ended up playing on the same team in Chicago. Um, you know, Tibbs came and talked to us about our roles on the team and be like, hey, man, you know, y'all have potential to start on, on some NBA teams. But, like, you know, it's a bare goal. You know, we've got to be a, a team to, to be able to – you know, have a lot of success. And I think we really bought into it. You know, we came up with a little saying like the bench mob and um, and we wanted to be the best bench in the NBA um, to to be, you know, a crutch to be the the one-two punch with with, with the D-Rose, a Luau thing, a Carlos Boozer, a Joe Q. Noah. Um, because, you know, there was going to be nights where they didn't have their, their nights and we had to come in and, and, and play at a high level. And CJ did a great job. You know, sometimes D-Rose, uh, got injured, and he stepped right in, and, and, and we didn't miss a beat. Uh, you had times where, you know, Taj Gibson was the starting power forward because somebody got injured. Omira Seek uh, came in and did very well. Kyle Corver came in and did very well. So we had a lot of pieces on our team that, that made us very successful, and I, I think that's what uh, allowed us to thrive as a team. You mentioned uh, Coach Thibodeau. Is it, like, true – like about how hard he pushes y'all like in practice and just like the intensity that he coaches was like, is that a myth or is that really like exactly how he is? No, I mean, it's not a myth. Like his approach to me was very easy because like, that's exactly how Jerry Sloan was. And so like, for me, it was just like, that's all I knew. You know what I'm saying? You know, I came from the mud coming out of Arkansas. It was a grind. I, I knew like it wasn't easy and it wasn't like, normal for people to from where I'm from to make it to the NBA. I mean, we've had guys make it to the NBA from Arkansas. We've had guys have success from, Ar uh, from Arkansas, but you don't see them very often. And, you know, to go play for a, Tibbs like, a coach like Tibbs, when he was asking you to play hard, I was like, man, just, that's all I know to do is to play hard. Like, all I know is to give 100%. All I know is to, you know, you know give my all. Uh, that's all I knew. And a lot of the people, like, there, that's all they knew. You know, Joe Keen, you know, had to grind it out. And, you know, you know, his story was was special. You know, Booze, his story is special. Uh, Derrick Rose, his story is special. Todd Gibson, Jimmy Butler, myself, Luau, I mean, you could go down the list of guys who, who are really like dogs, and Tibbs brought that out of us. And so, you know, 
our our practices were competitive as, as as our games. You know, some games, you know, we were blowing people out. You know, those were those were easy nights because our practices. You had guys, you know, D Rose wanted to be the the alpha dog and wanted to let everybody know that he was. And you know, you had guys at the two position battling hard. You had guys at the small forward position battling hard each and every day at the power forward position, at the center position. So it just made our team that much better because our practice was so crazy. And that translated and translated. And, you know, you would think at the beginning of the year that, they, you know, he's just trying to get out of you. But you you think that, okay, at the end of the year, Tim's is going to lay up and, and ease off to get – he doesn't do it. You're going to practice hard the first game all the way to the last game uh, and throughout the playoffs. That's all he knows. And so he's like – once I relax and, and and take my foot off the gas, that's what y'all are going to do. He's like, and I'm all gas and, you're, and no brakes. Wow. So I'm, I'm curious to know, too, because I know it was about a year or so, or, uh, so ago where Jimmy Butler kind of had the run-ins with his teammates on Minnesota. You know, they said he came into practice and he was dogging them shortly before he left. Do you think that mentality was kind of already instilled in him because you said, you know, he's a dog naturally? Or was that something that came from, you know, being around Chicago and, you know, Tibbs and everybody else? Like, do you think that's just him naturally or was that instilled in him, do you think? I think it's natural in him. But I think that Tibbs brings out the best of everybody. Yeah. You know, he's, he, he makes you play with that chip on your shoulder because he knows a lot of guys, like, people didn't believe in them. Like, people didn't believe in me that, you know, I was going to make it in the NBA and, you know, gave me a reason like, oh, look at his shot and look, you know, he's not this, he's not that. And you could go across the board on every player that was on the roster and he gets you deep down inside to play with a purpose. And, you know, I think when Tibbs got his hand on Jimmy, like he, he, he like, it was basically ironing, sharpening iron. Like he, he made the dog come out of Jimmy and, you know, he carried that, that mentality. Like, I'm a dog, and if you if you solve, and you're not gonna be able to make it. So yeah. I respect wow. it, and 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 that's the kind of the Tibbs Tibbs effect. Man, that is crazy. Do you see a lot of that in this current Knicks team as well? Because I'm looking at guys like Reggie Bullock and Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, really finding like themselves within Tibbs system. Like, do you see a lot of maybe that Bulls team and all, all of Tibbs traits rubbing off on this New York Knicks team as well? Yeah, absolutely. You, you can you can see that how, how how some players favor other players and their mentality, their and their mindset, and you know, a lot of those dudes just been dogs. It's just sometimes you got to have somebody to be able to get that out of you. And and Tibbs is, is the as the mastermind of it. Like all you need is some guys that that believe in the culture. I mean, you see how hard he was, he was, you know, vouching for D Rose, vouching for Taj Gibson. Like they know the culture, they know like and been around Tibbs and knows what it means to be a dog. And so, you know, it was easy, I think, for Tibbs because he's like, okay, I get these guys to get these other guys to buy in, then we're gonna be a dangerous team. So that's what they did. And uh, you know, they're paying off tremendously. Absolutely. And you know, looking at the Chicago Bulls this year too, um, you know, getting uh, Vucevic through halfway through the season, the trade that Mark gives Zach Levine now. So they have a very, like, young and up-and-coming team. Do you think, you know, with them being a lower seed this year, the play uh, the play-ins are beneficial to teams like that who are right on the brink of making it in but not quite there just yet? 
do you think in the next couple of years the Bulls can take that next step to be a playoff team? I think so. I think, you know, a lot of people don't don't like the playing game. Mm-hmm. And and it's cool because, you know, until you're in the playing game position, it, it's all fun and games until you have to play uh, and to win or go home. Um, but it allows teams to make, keep the league competitive, uh, not resting players, because those borderline teams that are right there, they're not going to tank because, yeah. you know, they're, they're going to be like, hey, we still have a chance to get that spot. And all you have to do is have two games where you're playing phenomenally and you can get in that AC or seven seed potentially. Yeah, because Tyreek, I know you were saying how you felt like that Memphis and Golden State game was like a March Madness type feel. Yeah, it felt exactly like that to me. And like, just like, you know, one game scenarios, anything can happen. Like John Morant is not typically like a really good three-point shooter, but he had one of the better shooting games of the season and it ended up, you know, paying dividends off and they ended up making the postseason. So I like the play. And I think, like you said, Ronnie, like it gives teams a reason to, you know, buy all in and because all you got to do is make the 10 seed to give yourself a chance. So I think it is a very good, you know, benefit for the league. I I agree. Um, Like, I understand where some teams are like, you know, what ifs. And if and, and if you if you live on what ifs, I mean that's not good. Like, because you know some teams are like, what if we have a bad shooting night, or what if somebody gets injured, or somebody, what if somebody gets COVID? And that's not the way to live. You should be confident in your team. I mean, like, you know, we're gonna go take what's ours. Like, I don't care who we face against; they're not beating us, and, and that's the mentality you should have late in the season, anyway. So. You know, that's what I like to see. I think it makes it competitive, and I, I think it's something that they should keep around for a long time. Do you wish the playing was around when you were, you know, kind of like with the Chicago Bull teams? Do you think it would have been beneficial for more teams back then, or do you think it's a good worth starting right now? I mean, I would say I would. <laughs> I was I was always in the playoffs and I was a high seed, and yeah. so like, <laughs> I. I, I <laughs> I'd be like, man, I really, I don't really don't care because we, we thought we were gonna beat anybody that in the first round at least because we were always upper upper seed. Um, but you know, I think it's good for the teams that that uh, are t- towards the bottom because you know a lot of the a lot of those organizations they use it as okay, I'm gonna try to develop this guy, I'm gonna try to get the younger guys more minutes. Well, and I'm not saying it's not about development, but a lot of times you have vets on that team that you sit and, you know, uh, you know, you only get so many years in the NBA. So you, you're, you're basically wasting those years for them because you're trying to tank and get better draft picks. And so yeah. it, it's going to allow those, those guys to continue to play. It's going to allow, um, you know, people to, 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 to make it still competitive late in the year when, whenever they might not be the you know top one through seven seeds. And uh, staying on, you know, today's games, who are some of your favorite young players to watch? Because I think the league is really in great hands with some of this young talent coming in. Absolutely. Uh, Luka Doncic is is phenomenal. Uh, Trey Young is phenomenal. Uh, I like Devin Booker. I like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I mean, there's a a list that could go on. You can go, you know, and be, you could take, you know, Greek Freak. You could say, um, You know, I, I, I like Malik Monk just because he's from Arkansas. And, and, you know, Bobby Portis is a young dude. And and um, 
Zion and Melo and uh, Anthony, Anthony, uh, Edwards, Anthony Edwards, he's phenomenal. So you can go through each and every team and pick out some young talent and be like, man, they could be the next big thing in the league. But the league is in good hands because, you know, it's so much competition and it's so much competitiveness from the, you know, I wouldn't say old dude, but the upper guys in age. But, you know, the younger dudes are not far behind um, with, with skill set and talent. True. True, true. Well, that was all the questions I had for you, uh, Ronnie. So I don't know, Tyreek, you have any, anything else for him or? Yeah, I got a couple. I got a couple more, man. Okay. I got a couple more questions. Um, so, you know, you play, you had a pretty lengthy NBA career. Who were some of your toughest matchups? Uh, uh, all of them. <laughs> but uh, no, in all reality, like my job was kind of the guard, um, the best shooting guard. And if our small forward ever got in foul trouble to guard the best small forward that came in. So I was going basically the best perimeter player. And sometimes, you know, in, in Utah, I would guard some of the point guards so we'd keep D-Wheel out of foul trouble. So, not, you know, the, 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 the matchup between Kobe was always tough. You know, his skill set is is unparamount. Like, he's so special um, in, in how his game developed over the years. Um, LeBron is a hard matchup for him. KD was a crazy matchup because people don't really understand that he's really seven foot with the point guards, like, handle. And one of the best, you know, shooting strokes that, that, that you know, people have seen from a seven-footer and, you know, any wing player um, – you know, playing Vince Carter was crazy to guard. Paul Pierce was crazy to guard. Gilbert Arenas was crazy to guard. Uh, Michael Red was hard to guard. Uh, Trace McGrady was crazy hard to guard. Um, Dwayne Wade was a really tough matchup. You know, you know all those guys that, that I'm naming is, is they could go for 30 or 40 every any night, any given night. Um, I didn't play with Jordan, but, you know, huge fan of his game and, I bet it would have been crazy trying to play against him. So, now I was blessed to be able to play on the same team, but also play against some of the best guys that ever played against basketball. That's that's a lot of big names that you just named. And some guys on that list is, like, guys that you don't think of. Like, a lot of people don't realize how good, like, Paul Pierce was back in the day. Man, yeah. it, all you have to do is go to YouTube, Paul Pierce, and people will change their complete mindset. Like, when you, when you Google Paul Pierce or go to YouTube with Paul Pierce, it shows a young, young Paul Pierce, like, like Ray, I, I forgot to say Ray Allen's name, but like, if you go, like go to YouTube and look up Paul Pierce and Ray Allen, they weren't just catch and shoot dudes. Like they would put you in a spin cycle and then go by you and put you in the rim. Like they was high flyers and nobody really thinks that, you know, Ray Allen and, and Paul Pierce were like that, but just go to YouTube and watch it. Like it's crazy. Like how, like, you know, people forget so soon. And, like, those dudes are, like, Hall of Fame top-tier, like, monsters on the perimeter. Hey, wise words right there. Uh, the last question I got for you, do you have a welcome to the NBA moment? Like, the moment you realize, like, wow, I'm really, like, in the league now. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, like, I, I, I played this through my mind a million times. Um, you know, earlier I was speaking 
AU and uh, we had a, um, like AU Nationals in, in, in Florida uh, recruited by almost everybody. And, um, you know, Billy Donovan's at the game, Florida shirt on, I'm ecstatic. Mike Miller's with them watching the game and, you know, Tracy McGrady's with them. So, and, you know, Tracy McGrady, our team wore Tracy McGrady's shoes. We all go over there and get, get, um, get, um, you know, pictures and autographs from them. And uh, I remember our my first game playing the Rockets. I wanted to like be like, hey man, when I you know I got your autograph as a kid in AU Nationals, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm this is what I'm gonna say when I'm up and I when I get in the game, and you know they throw it into and he gives the shoulder shake and shoots the fadeaway off the glass, and I was like, oh shoot, like kind of welcome to the NBA moment because I was gonna try to I was kind of gonna be a fanboy. But then I was like, nah, man, I got to, you know, I got to get it together. He's going to bust my ass. And so, um, you know, I had to, you know, play as hard as I could and make everything tough on him. And, you know, it, it becomes a, a, a battle between, like, you and your opponent, and, and, and it's not like you can you're just kind of cut out for a second. The audio did, but should be all good. Uh, cut out, yeah, it was it was a little choppy, but I, I, I got the sense of most yeah. of what you were saying, though. Yes, it's all good. Okay, Sorry. you hear us? Sorry about that. No, it's I thought you're all good. It's still, yeah, it's still pretty bad here. Yeah, you yeah. got the flash floods going on down there, man. So it's all good. We understand. Yeah. We appreciate <laughs> you taking time out to talk to us. And I appreciate y'all. Sorry, yeah. sorry for being so late. No, it's man. all good. Like I said, we got we got nothing but time up here. The two of us are the – I'd say we're the two hardest working dudes at this thing right now in our area. So we're just trying to keep getting good guests on here and just uh, credible people. So we appreciate your time for sure. No doubt. I appreciate yes, that. Sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate well, this you. is tonight's episode of the Fast Break Podcast, Blaze Review, and Halftime Hoops, and we'll see you guys next time.